Friends, just a quick recap, if you were not here. Does the Bible condone slavery? We talked about slave ownership being a common practice long before the Mosaic Law was given, and so that was just to say that, that God, uh, through the law, was not instituting slavery. It was not, because some people think that, oh, well, God, he's the one that created it. Um, but he was already around by the time the law was given. And, and to be fair, he didn't end slavery, and he didn't say, hey, it's, it's abolished at this point. Don't practice it. He rather regulated it. And we looked at examples. I think one of them got erased down here. There was, there was Hebrews that were uh, in slavery. They could, they could sell themselves to a fellow Hebrew or to a foreigner. Uh, we talked about slaves from foreign countries. And then we fast-forwarded to the New Testament. And as we look at that lens, it just reminds us that whether you're a master or a slave, you are equal in Christ. And that's where we're going to finish up today. Take your Bibles. Go to 1 Timothy. We just have a few scriptures left. This has obviously been a hot button topic to some extent over the last political season. Um, we're to not get too we're not we're not to get political on stuff. Okay, First Timothy chapter three. Let me try again. Chapter 6. That's about husband or uh, uh, overseers. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 is what I meant to say. All right. Carmen, would you, my friend, read verses 1 through 3 of chapter 6? Sorry, we could have stopped it too. My bad. Um, yeah, as I look at verse 6, a couple things stand out to me. Again, he doesn't abolish slavery. He just says that uh, consider your master worthy of respect. Um, and, then, and then he says, don't take, if you have a, a Christian who's your boss, don't take advantage of him. Oh, my boss is a Christian. I can slack. Um, where, I, where I would maybe connect this with you and I today would be like an employee-employer relationship. And I don't want to go out of context, but uh, none of us are slaves to our bosses. Uh, if, if I decided that I didn't want to teach at the school, I could uh, finish out the year, put in my letter of resignation, and move on. And, and that would be two parties separating, uh, hopefully cordially. Um, if that, that was a decision of myself or, 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 uh, or you at your workplace. Um, so I, I think that as I think about how I would respond to, to my boss, in this case my principal or superintendent, I hope that whether they're a believer or not, that I would, they, that I would give them the, the full measure of their respect. And have, have we been great practitioners of that at all times? I don't know. You know. I mean, I can't speak to all your jobs. I'm sure I haven't been the, the best employee at all moments of every 
uh, course of my life, but that's something as a Christian I, I, we should aspire to. Okay. Any comments from you guys about what 1 Timothy has to say? Okay. Let's go to... Uh, I would say it's a little bit similar to the teaching in 1 Corinthians 7 when um, the one of the, I think it's the woman, uh, becomes saved and her husband is unsaved. Mm -hmm. And she's also to stay in the position she's in. Yeah. She's not to divorce him because he's unsaved. Um, but if he leaves, it's a different matter. But, I mean, yeah. it's sort of the same principle. Wherever you're saved, God can work in your circumstance. Yeah. For sure. However, it does make me think of the guy who wrote Amazing Grace because he was a slave master and not a very kind one. And when he got saved, that's why he wrote, he saved a wretch like me. He thought the things that he had done were horrifically wrong and he got out of it. Thanks for sharing that. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Now, Tim, when he was putting the study together, he had uh, just verse 2, chapter 2, verse 18 listed. But we're going to uh, kind of hit it in the context. And I'm going to read this one because it's a bit. Um, and I want you to, again, just kind of look at this through the perspective of the, co the topic we're looking at, which is <clears throat> slavery. So we're going to read 11 through the end of the chapter. Ready? Here we go. 1 Peter 2. Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from simple desires or fleshly lusts, which wage war against your, my Bible says the, the soul, but sin nature. Uh, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Verse 13 now. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are set by him to punish those who do wrong or to commend those who do right. I'm going to pause for a second. Uh, I have not been the greatest practitioner of this. I can laugh at a meme or uh, I can get frustrated with our governor. Um, and it's okay to have like differences of opinion. It doesn't say everything your governor or your authority says you are to agree with uh, but it says to submit yourselves so I just think as Christians our, te our testimony is important and I appreciate people that are level headed, that are calm and I'm still trying in my own personal life to figure out like what, what is the balance and I know we, you know, we are, we are as Christians our main objective is not to get Washington State to be um, a Christian society uh, I, we uphold hopefully morals Outside this, today, this week, I had a student come to me. They were doing this for a class. I don't know, Kel, if this is maybe a seventh grade. Did you have this project? Kid came to me. I'm, I'm teaching rollerblading. And a kid comes in, zooming around. I said, just a second. And I come back around, and he says, Mr. Orton, he has his laptop. Can I ask you two questions? I said, yeah. He says, uh, what is, what, in your opinion, what is the greatest injustice done to man? And what is a problem that we need to fix in our world today? And I said, hold on. That's going to take more than 10 seconds. <laughs> I said, come back. I'm going to keep skating with my class. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
<laughs> Bomb! Boom! <laughs> World peace. Um, so let me let me think about that for a second. So I did. I said, "Give me five minutes." That's a big question. So I'm skating around. I'm thinking about this. So I'm thinking of that first question. Injustice. When I think of injustice, I think of something that is done to someone that is wrong, knowingly wrong, and they can't do anything about. It. So when the Taliban, I'm reading this book right now about Afghanistan, when the Taliban comes in to your town in Afghanistan and they start to murder people or, or uh, uh, burn all the books or whatever, whatever they're going to do, I think, hey, that's an injustice. And you can't go, hey, excuse me, Mr. Taliban, rider on the horse, uh, our family, we're not going to go with that decision without repercussion. Okay, and I mean, you all know this, right? Those are injustices. So, so when I thought, I thought like, all right, this kid came back and said, hey, what I'm gonna say is not popular. There are people on both sides of this, but I'm gonna tell you what I think. I think one of the greatest injustice right now is probably the taking of unborn lives throughout the world. It is the most defenseless person. They can't defend themselves. And uh, we, have, we have overlooked this. This is my opinion on this. Um, we've overlooked it. We've made it a matter of convenience as opposed to does this, does this baby have any rights? Um, so this kid, he's like, huh, I actually, I, I think that's really good. I agree with that. I said, whoa, okay. Um, but somebody else may have got fired up if I would have said that. And... Uh, Anyways, and then I answer this other question kind of like globally and locally. But, but uh, back to verse 13, I don't always do the greatest job, if I'm being honest. Like when President Biden does something that I think is funny, I think it's funny. Like, but I am to submit. He is our president. And that doesn't mean I agree. With, and the same thing when Trump was in office, to be fair. Like we submit. When they say, hey, pay your taxes, I, I write my check. Um, you know, we've been through this, but so we're submitting here. Here we go. Moving forward. Whether <coughs> leaders, governors, uh, verse 15. For it is God's will, I think it's desirous here, that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect for everyone. Agape, love, the brotherhood of believers. Fear God, honor the king. That, that should be a slogan somewhere. I'm sure it's on a bumper sticker somewhere. Um, but it is good. Love the brotherhood. Fear, respect God, and honor. Honor the king. Okay, verse 18 here now. Here we go. This is the verse that Tim highlighted. Okay. Slaves. <clears throat> Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate. Okay, that might be an easy task. The second one would be hard. But also to those who are harsh. I think that's a... You and I read it and we just kind of read it. Man, you think if you were in a harsh situation, it would be really challenging to live in a way that's, that's uh, above reproach. Verse 19. For it is commendable or grace if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. Verse 20. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this 
is commendable or grace alongside God. Verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in his steps. Okay? I think following literally here. Um, when, when I read this, you guys, uh, it reminds me, have, have any of you read the book the Voice of the Martyrs or excerpts from it. Really popular. We still have it. Uh, it was really popular a couple days when I maybe post maybe college post college. It was a story of a collection of uh, martyr books, and they can they can they can shoot a little bit of uh, testosterone in your faith when you see what people have endured for the sake of Christ, how they have endured injustices and endure, endured them well, not kicking and screaming or or ranting or they just have endured them for the sake of, of Christ. It's really um, impressionable. Uh, so we've read those kind of things. Um, verse, verse 22, talking about Jesus, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore... Uh, our sins or the sin nature on his body in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you've been healed for you are like sheep going astray but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul and I just close with this uh, part of this chapter here verse 18 slaves submit yourselves to your masters with all respect not only those who are good and considerate but those who are harsh and then as as the author keeps reading uh, writing sorry it puts it back on Christ and it reminds us of what Christ did so I imagine if you were a slave you could go that's true, that's true, Jesus did that okay, I can endure this I can endure it similarly like he did comments you guys have on 1 Peter? Um, again, connect with that being the harshness uh, Luke 12, 4 says I say to my friends do not be afraid of those who can kill the body after they have no more that they can do but I show to whom you should fear. Fear him. After he has killed, has power to cast you into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. So, that's the... It, when someone's being harsh, and we're not talking going bad words. Right. This harshness is usually whippings and, you know, whatnot. And this is to help. It's interesting that that passage deals with, with, which is still in the Old Testament period, deals with fear, mm -hmm. where this passage deals with its grace. Isn't that an interesting mm -hmm. Hmm. Yes, it is. At the end of verse 11, then, the word soul, you said was signature, but it's not the word signature, it is the word for soul. So yeah, I saw that after that. Thank you. <coughs> Anything else? Okay, let's look at one last passage before we turn it over to Ben. Take your books and go, uh, your Bibles and go to that small book, Philemon, which is just after the T's. Well, you know, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. Okay, back up, because maybe it's been a minute, minute since you've read Philemon. Who is Philemon? What do we remember about this gentleman? Is he the slave or the, the slave owner? He's the second. He's the slave. He's the slave master. 
He's a slave master. Okay, who who is this slave master of? Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe the others too. But in this context, Onesimus. How do you all say it? Onesimus. I've always said Onesimus. 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 Nobody's named their kid that lately, so I haven't. I haven't taught it. Okay. Um, so if he if if uh, Philemon is a slave owner, what does that tell you about his position in society? All right, he's higher up the societal ladder of wealth potentially. Okay, um, but Philemon's also Paul's friend. All right, They're, they have a relationship, and that'll come out in these scriptures. Um, what what had happened? Just to set the context. What had happened with Onesimus or Onesimus? How are we pronouncing? What had happened to him? Why is Paul? Why is why is this letter being being written? Ran away. Ran away. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Took something. Took off. And and what's what's Paul's encouragement going to be? And we're already kind of sharing. Then we're going to look through it. What's Paul's encouragement going to be? <coughs> yeah. What happened when 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 this miss runs off, what happens? He got caught. Well, he doesn't get. Or did he come back? <coughs> well, let's find out. Okay, let's go. Let's take a look. All right. Verse one. Um, let's go. Terry, do you mind? Terry, Kate, do you mind writing in the back? Do you mind hitting three verses? Verse one through three. Yeah. Our fellow soldier in the church in our house. Grace to you and peace to you, Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Cool. All right. Why does Paul call himself a prisoner? Yeah, he is. He's <laughs> literal here, okay? All right. Is the author possibly writing this from Rome? Okay. Uh, Philemon is in Colossae, and we would take it to be some sort of a prominent Christian man there, at least societally, just from the, from the text. All right. Verse... Four, Holland, would you please read four, five, and six? I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. All right, so this is to Philemon. Verse uh, one told us that our, our dear friend and fellow worker, so Paul is affectionate toward him. In verse four, what do we what do we uh, what do we see there? Four and five, six. Yeah. Philemon's exhibited love and faith, which indicates he's been a spiritual maturing believer. Yeah. And he does he exhibits that towards all believers. Right. So this is, I I picture this is a good dude, you know, in the church, good good guy to to uh, to be thankful around. All right, verse 7. Right, so in other, in other words, like, he doesn't start off like, you slave owner, you know. He starts it off affectionately. Verse, uh, I don't know, does Clay want to read? Or, you want to read one? Okay. Linda, do you, can you please read uh, verse 7? For we have great joy and consolation in your love. Because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. 
it's whoever I remember is I think it was Tim or maybe one of the speakers. They you know that that idea of bowels. They've taught that several times and as we've gone through this. That you refresh the bowels like, and you and I are like that's always weird. But you go to Papua New Guinea, that's how they say, content. What's that? Bell blow me. When they're talking about how they're feeling, we say, oh, I touched my heart. They say, oh, that got me in the gut good. <laughs> got me good. And uh, it's interesting. So that's how they feel. That's how, that's how he feels about him. Philemon, you got me in the gut good. You have refreshed me. Uh, us. All right, verse 8. So it's a good feeling. Let's, let's see his appeal here. All right. Um, Stan, my man, would you please read 8? Why don't you just go through 11? That's kind of a little paragraph there. Through 11? Yeah, please. Therefore, I thought, <clears throat> therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, Appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and me. Okay, so something's happened here. What do you guys see in these verses? Yeah. So Paul, by the way, this is, I think this is good, um, this is not a lesson on how to behave around other people, but it, it, I like how Paul starts off on the very positive. And, you know, because it's true. Like, Philemon's a good dude uh, in the Lord. And then as you get into verse 8, he's, now he says, man, I could, be, I could be tough on you, okay? But let me back up and, t and do this on the basis of love. Here's what's happening. I'm going to appeal to you for my, my, my son. Is that how your, your translation said, Stan? Was you say my son, Onesimus? My son, is that how you read it? Um, and by the way, Onesimus means useful, which is interesting. But uh, he said, who became my son while I was in chains. So I, I think what Holland just mentioned, that he was evangelized. You know, before he was useless, but now he's useful to, useful to both of us. Okay? Verse 12. Yeah. A question there. Could possibly Onesimus... Been in jail also? I don't know the answer to that, anyone? It's possible. We don't know, but uh, Paul seems to have been under house arrest, so he would have been closer to Caesar. And so the likelihood of him being in the same place as Paul, I don't know. But how did he, <coughs> how did he bump up with Paul? We don't know. So uh, a confluence of circumstances, yeah. I wonder if he ran away and got, and got caught. caught. Yeah, possibly. But then Paul sends him back. I wonder if he has yeah. the authority to do that. Yeah, if he's free, free at this point. That's, that's what novels are written on right here. Okay. Thanks, Dan. All right, verse 12. Uh, Dwight, why don't you go 12 through 14? I have sent him back to you in person. That is, send him my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I do not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect. 
by compulsion, you but of your own free will. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we see in these verses? He's trying to be very diplomatic. He is, he is being diplomatic. I think in this writing and also in 1 Corinthians, Paul always appeals to people to look at themselves as in their position in Christ, who got, how God sees them, not how they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see that he calls the Corinthians saints by calling, and they do some pretty awful pretty things. Pretty bad things, right. And so he always tries to bring them to their position in Christ and how God sees them. And then he encourages them to do the right thing in light of that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Anything else? I was touched by verse 12. I'm sending him who is my very heart. This is my guy. This is my this is my bowels. I'm going to send him back to you. And Paul's honest. Hey, I'd like to keep him. Right? I'd really like to keep him. But I didn't have your consent. I'm sending him to you. Let's, let's, uh, let's see what happens toward the end here. And I think that on your behalf is in substitution. Or, so he's alluding to the fact that Jesus gave himself as a substitution for us. And he's encouraged him in, in that regard. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, band 15 through 16. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Hey, not just as a slave in the flesh, not just as a man, but as a brother in the Lord. So he's sending him back. Um, Yeah, he's still a slave, but he is a brother in the Lord, and that's important. He's recognizing God's sovereignty and that ultimately nothing happens without God allowing it. Doesn't Lord mean master? Yep. So he's, you may be a master, but you have a master too. This is the brother of the of our master. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last time. That's a good point. Thanks for bringing it back up. Okay, let's finish it out. Uh, Gordon 17 through 19. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> 17, uh, 18, and 19. Okay, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. nuggets in here. What help me out you guys, what stands out to you? It says put it on my account. Yeah. And it seems like that's indicating because he is his child in faith, he was his spiritual father, that he has an obligation to him, just like he has a physical obligation to Philemon in the human relationship as a slave. But now as a spiritual brother he has an obligation to Paul 
And now he's saying, yes, he served me on your account when he was here, when he was being disobedient, but then he became saved. And now he's going to serve you for me mm. on a spiritual level. Kind of cool. That is cool. And I'm reminded, I mean, Paul and Philemon, they, they have this relationship in that verse 17, you welcome him as you welcome me. That kind of puts it on uh, Philemon a little bit. To, when he comes back, are you going to beat Paul? Are you going to be harsh on Paul? Probably not. So, likewise, don't be harsh on Onesimus. And I, I think it's pretty strong, too. And Paul, I think he does this a couple times in Scripture, but I'm writing this with my own hand. Okay, and again, we've we talked about it before. Why? Why is that? Uh, so it's, he could tell, like, this is coming from, from you. Um, and Let's finish it out. Verse 20. Can I make one more comment? Yeah, please. On that, uh, he says, uh, I, Paul, those are all emphatic eyes. You okay. don't have to have the I. The I can be in the verb. But he says, I, on my part, I, Paul, wrote with my hand. I, on my part, I will repay. Okay. You know, so he's being extremely emphatic. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. It's good. All right, let's finish it out. Uh, Susan, 20 through the end. Yes, yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you so I know that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Yeah. Benediction. Okay. Closes it out. I think that we, we uh, I, I like verse 21. I'm confident. Philemon, I know you're going to do this, and I know you're going to do even more. Put this brother now in the Lord. So, as we wrap it up, if there's any comments, that's great, but I, I just think that's the idea that whether you're slave or free, in Christ you're equal. And, uh, um, you know, every day we say, like, the Pledge of Allegiance. That we, 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 we do these things that hopefully are about some semblance of equality, but I think that our, our, our Christian perspective needs to go even above. We need to treat all, whether they're slave or free, or in this society today we're not dealing with that, but whatever race, whatever situation it is, we need to treat, if they're in Christ, man, they are equal. And if they're not in Christ, we're still to be gracious and kind. And, and uh, yeah. Galatians six ten, be good to all. Oh. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's let's uh, close with a good word of prayer, and we'll bring up uh, Ben for part of the next time. God, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for Paul's writing to Philemon here, and the fact that we have that uh, put into our scriptures, that example of what it means for. Um, for those that are in Christ, and we can take this today, and we can, you know, we may not be dealing with somebody that comes out of slavery. But what if somebody comes out of a serious addiction or a treatment of other humans in a way that's like, oh, that's 
gross and it's horrible, it's horrific. But if they get saved and you change their lives, we are to come alongside of them as a brother or sister as well. So help us to be able to take these things, um, see them for what they are, see your heart towards people, and uh, be encouraged by it. Thank you for the good participation. Pray for Ben as he comes up and opens the word about suffering and our our uh, ability to see uh, what your word has to say on that as well. Amen.